Okay. Here we go. As long promised, this is the Shi'ur Pticha, the opening Shi'ur, the inaugural Shi'ur on Masachet Nidarim. Um, we're going to look at three things over the course of this Shi'ur, and I'm going to try to end a few minutes shy of an hour to leave some room for some Q&A. Um, the first thing is sort of the bases Nidarim, the Psukim that are relevant to Nidarim and the Psukim that play a critical role in, in all of our Midrashim. Uh, the second thing is something about the history of Masechet Nidarim, something I mentioned a number of times in the course of the first uh, few Shurim, but uh, we never got to really deal with, which is this reticence or banning or whatever it is of Masechet Nidarim from the curriculum for, for over 100 years. What's behind that, what the, te the testimony to that, what the impact of that was, uh, and you'll find some curious things there. And then we're going to deal with, and this is really what I want to get to, is the mechanics of Nidarim, which I, I have continued to hint to in the Shi'urim, and now we're going to get to them. So let's start from the beginning. To quote Julie Andrews, a very good place to start. All right, in the main parsha of Nidarim is in the beginning of Parshat Matot. You have it in front of you. Now notice in source one that the first uh, three psukim, two psukim actually are normal size, and the last pasuk is normal size, and the rest is all small. I, mean, I have to explain that. It's not that way in the Sefer Torah, by the way. But the reason is as follows. The um, the, the second pasuk here presents all of the critical words that we have vis-a-vis -vis Darim. And from that, we're going to have to jump off to the Ramban, and then later on in the year, we're going to look at the Rambam and the Ramban and Sefer Mitzvot about that particular issue, what Nidarim really is, what the, what the, what the, the, the essence of Nidarim is, as it were. What starts in Pasuk Dalit and goes all the way to Pasuk Tetzayin is the unique rulings that impact on a woman who is married and makes a neder, or a girl who is a na'ara, and she's in her father's house and makes a neder, and the rights of the husband or father, respectively, to repudiate the neder, and under what conditions. And it goes into a lot of details, but it's not our main focus because this is um, the core of the issue of hatarat nedarim and really hafarat nedarim, and who may do so and how long they have to do so and what kind of nedarim are subject to them. And that's a detail, and we're going to come back and revisit it towards the end of the Masachet when we really deal with hatarat nedarim. Uh, one special shear that we're going to have probably next week is going to be about kol nidre. Kol Nidre is a sugya in Nidarim, and it's a very hotly contested issue. All right, and we're going to see a little touch of that today, but we're going to take it on full either next week or the week afterwards. All right, so let's get started. Now, parenthetically, this Parsha, and this is critical for understanding the mechanics of Nidarim, this Parsha follows immediately, at the beginning of Parshat Matot, so it follows immediately at the end of Pinchas, which is about all of the korbanot that are brought on the festivals. And in that context, as we'll see in the Ramban, it is levad minidrehem v'nidvotam. In other words, that's all the korbanot that you bring that are obligatory and are public, besides all of the voluntary korbanot that you bring because you committed to them in a neder or nedava form. And so that may be the hook to bring Nidarim into this parsha, but that becomes problematic as we're going to see soon right, when you get into the parsha. And here's the, the kick. 
And this is the only place that we see the command being given directly to Rashi Hamatot, meaning the heads of the tribes who are evidently responsible to make sure that this gets processed properly, uh, not only information-wise, but but adjudicated properly among the people. And here it is. Ish ki neder ladunai we're going to go over the whole pasuk. Here we go. If a man, if he makes a vow to God, or takes an oath, and this is where things get confusing for us because we've already seen the Gemara hammer home the critical, essentialist distinction between Shavuot and Nedarim, and here it seems to loop them together. So if a man takes an oath or uh, takes a vow or an oath, Sor isar al nafsho, better yet, I'm going to say, if a man takes a neder or a shvuah, Sor isar al nafsho, to forbid a forbidden thing on himself. Lo yachel dvaro, he cannot profane his words which means that the Torah is giving us some power to make an utterance that's going to impact on us halachically. Meaning, I could take something which is otherwise in the realm of neutral, or perhaps even positive, and I can ban it on myself with my own words, and now the Torah commands me to keep my word and not to violate it. And the Torah here seems to be giving me a lotase nase, the lotase being, do not violate your word, and the ase seems to be, do everything that you said, right? Which, by the way, seems to be redundant. We have to take a look at it. And then we have this long piece about uh, Isha and uh, the Nara, and the Nara is married, the Nara is betrothed. All right, and then at the end, the summary is, which, by the way, leaves you with the impression that the entire Parshav Nidarim really is about husbands and wives and fathers and daughters. The only Pasuk that we have that's not about that is this opening Pasuk Gimel, which presents the whole kind of a palette, uh, the whole the whole panorama, shall we say, of Nidarim, and then it goes into those details, which then appear in the summary. So I want to take a look with you together, and normally we'd go straight to other Pasukim, but I want to take a look with you at the Ramban, here in his commentary, uh, the Ramban parenthetically, and I'm going to do a little ad for the Ramban. The Ramban's commentary on Chumash is a, a masterpiece beyond description. Now, the truth is that we have a number of great, classic, eternal Perushim on Chumash that are just stand by themselves as masterpieces. No question that Perush Rashi, with all of its different Muschaot and everything else, is just unbelievably artistic and beautiful and informative and enlightening and everything else. And there are other Perushim that we have that are just astounding in their clarity and in their insight and their profundity. The Ramban in the world of the Shivot always stood out by, him, by himself or by itself as the commentary. You know how we grew up with Chumash and Rashi. In the Shivot it was Chumash and Ramban. The Years ago, they asked all of the Ramim in the Yeshiva if they were stuck on a deserted island, what would what one book would they want to have with them? And famously, Ravarin answered Ramban ala Torah. And so the rumor went around that's because he knew everything else by heart, which was very likely true. But the, the, the Ravarin was a huge fan of the Ramban, 
And you, the more you study Ramban al Torah, the more you understand why. It's it's hard not to fall in love with the Ramban al Torah. And when you come to the Shabbat afternoon shear, you'll see we quote the Ramban al Torah often because he really is just astounding. Uh, okay, enough of my ad. Now let's take a look at the Ramban says. Yidur Neder. And he quotes, Ha'omer ha'rei alai konam shelo ochal o shelo ased ploni. So what's Yidur Neder? A person uses one of the formulas that we're already familiar with, that I'm not going to do uh, something. Now, that's it's not really true the way we said it, the way we have already learned in the Gemara, that I'm taking a Neder not to do something. All right, so we're going to take a look at that. I might think, what if the guy took a neder to eat non-kosher meat? That might be that might take effect. Therefore, the Torah says, you have to do everything that you said, right? And therefore, maybe you have to do that. Maybe you have to eat chazer. That's why the phrase in the pasuk is to prohibit, meaning, in other words, the impact of a netter always has to be to ban something which is neutral or which is permitted, as opposed to permit something. The, the impact of a netter has to be an isur. Now this is, by the way, the Ramban almost always starts this way. Especially when he has something of his own to say, he starts by quoting Rashi. Rabbeinu Shlomo, he quotes Rashi with reverence and with adoration, and then he disagrees with him. Right? And this is consistent. And he, and he spells it out in his introduction to his commentary, which is itself a masterpiece, very worth reading, the introduction before Breshi. So he now quotes the Sifre, which is the Midrash Halacha on Bamidbar. He says the Sifre does not accord with the way Rashi presents it. They took this word, I might think if you took an oath to eat non-kosher food, it would take effect. And you have to do what you said. Now, how is that different than Rashi? Do you guys see the difference? Okay, look at Rashi. Rashi, the very top of the Ramban, said, Rashi used neder talk. Right? He said, and I might think that if you took a neder to eat non-kosher food, it would take effect. Therefore, the Pasuk says it doesn't. But the Sifre, where Rashi got it from, actually made it about Shvuot. Why? Because as we know, Shvuot can be about actions. Nidarim have to be about objects. And therefore, that opening line in Rashi really doesn't work with Nidarim. All right, so now, he's Kiru Hadavar Hazeb Bishvuot, Varav Nidarim. In other words, in the Sifre, they mentioned it about Shvuot, and Rashi switched it to Nidarim. So the Ramban says, I think Rashi was a little bit careless here. That's the way he says it. Share Amru. He quotes the Gemara that we know very well. Nidarim is an isur cheftza, meaning it's an imp, it, the impact of your words affects the physical object you're talking about and its relationship to you or to others. Therefore, a neder can't impact on something intangible like a verb. You can't make a neder to eat something or to avoid eating something. You can make a neder that 
that food is to me like a korban, and now you can't eat it, but it has to impact the define the, the act, the object, not the action. Okay. So if you take a netter not to sleep or you take a netter not to talk, it doesn't mean anything. Because that netter didn't have anything to grab onto, any object to grab onto. Kevancha Davarkane. So since that's the case, meaning something that's in the realm of the neutral. The guy said, takes a neder, I'm going to eat today, not eat today. doesn't mean anything. There's no object that it's hitting. It's hitting you. And a neder can't impact on you, it has to impact on an object. Now here's where the Ramban is you're going to see is going to take the Rambamai. Nidarim have no kumase, meaning when you take a neder, there is no mitzvah say to fulfill your neder. There is a lotase not to profane it. And by the way, this is why I wanted to read the Ramban because I wanted to get to this. Don't answer me from nidre gavoha. What are nidre gavoha? What we call nidre hektesh. When you bring in, take a neder, to bring a korban. Now, by the way, that neder is about action. And you say, Hare alai ola, you are bound by the Torah to bring a korban ola. So he says, so you're going to challenge me and tell me that nedarim do have a kumase, meaning you could make a neder to do something, and then you're obligated by Torah law to do it. He says, no, don't confuse the two. Right? By the way, the minute you say your entire property now becomes encumbered to that debt. In other words, we have an object here which non, which is now sacral and can't be used for mundane purposes. So therefore, the neder really impacts on your property. He's trying to explain the mechanics of how a neder, to bring a korban, could work as a neder. Now here's the phrase he uses, meaning nedarim, where you express an abstinence from something, not about bringing a korban. Now, this whole relatively detailed and a little bit twisty Ramban I brought it because I wanted to highlight a very stark distinction that the Ramban is making, which he blurs a little bit and then and then and then unblurs. What is a neder? What is a neder? That's really what this whole shiur is about tonight. What is a neder? A neder is when a person makes an utterance that has a halachic impact on him or her that it would not have had without that utterance. Okay, that's a nether. Now, what are the mechanics of a nether? How does a nether work? So the Ramban, taking straight from our Gemara, says, in for a nether, which we call nidre bitui, or we'll call it nidre isur, a nether where you're banning something has to directly relate to the object. You're redefining the status of an object that's in your purview. Now, how is an object in your purview? Either I own it, or it's something that I'm uh, somebody else might own, 
but I'm impacting on its relationship to me. So I could say my bananas are all konam. Nobody can eat them. I can also say your bananas are konam to me, which means I can't eat them. I can't ban them on you, and I can't ban them on anybody else. But I can ban them on myself by identifying that vis-a-vis -vis me, your bananas are like a Corbin. But all I can do is change the, the legal definition of the item with that utterance. I can't obligate myself to do something or even to abstain from something. He says, therefore, there can be no mitzvah taseh. With a neder hekdesh, there's exactly a mitzvah taseh. Because what did I say? I'm going to bring a korban. And that's a very different kind of neder. Okay, so now let's take a look further. And this will become clear further on the shiur if it's not clear yet. One of the key passages, and we see this darshaned out quite a bit, is the passage in Parshat Ki Kitidor neder All right? So, if you take a neder to Hashem, do not delay paying it. What does that right away tell you before we go any further in the pasuk? What's the nature of this neder? Just from the just from the halachic follow-up, you make a neder to Hashem, do not delay paying it. What 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 sort of neder is this? It's an object. It's an it's and what about that? An obligation on you to perform it. It's an obligation you've accepted on yourself to give something to God, and now we're saying don't delay giving it. Which means this is very different than the neder that we talked about here. Le'esor isar al nafsho. Le'esor means I'm taking something which is otherwise permitted and I'm banning it to myself. Here, I'm making a commitment to pay something to God. And now the Torah says, you do that, don't delay doing it. God is going to seek it out from you. And then you will be found wanting and a sinner because you didn't. And we're going to see a critical passage in Koalit about this. Now notice what the Torah says. If you avoid taking the Dorim, you don't have any sins. Why does the Torah have to say that? Why would the Torah have to say, if you take a neder, don't delay bringing it, because if so, God's going to seek it out, and you'll be found sinning. You'll be found to be a sinner. If you avoid taking a neder, that's okay. There's no sin there. Why is the Torah saying that? What might you have thought that the Torah has to pre preempt? That I can make make neder nederim um, just willy nilly. I I think. Okay, I'm gonna no, I'm, no, gonna, I'm gonna see you and raise you, Bill. I think what the Torah is saying is that you might have the mentality of thinking nederim are desired by God. Darim okay, are a yes, good thing. Yes, okay. And here the Torah is saying, no, 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 don't make a dime and you're okay. Okay? And now watch how it ends. Whatever comes out of your mouth, guard it and watch it, which is, by the way, just like we saw in the other part of Nidarim. And the Gemara in several places deals with why it switches from Nedar to Nedavan here. But just like you committed to God as in the Dava, which you said with your mouth, make sure to do exactly what you said. So notice, by the way, the Torah sandwiches in the first and last sukim of this passage, 
it says you better not avoid doing what you promised to do. And in the middle, there's a, a little bit of a column there that says, and by the way, if you don't get involved in this, that's all good. It's not like this is an area that you must get involved with and do it right. No, your best bet is not to do it at all. All right. So now let's see what the Sifre in Dvarim says about this. The Midrash Halacha. And by the way, we've already seen this Machloket. Reb Meir Omer, and he quotes a Pasuk in Kohelet that we're going to see right here. <clears throat> he says, Tov asher lo tidor. Better to not take an oath. To take a vow. Tov lo tidor kolikar. Meaning, it's better, it's, it's better to not take an oath than to take one and not pay. And the best thing is not to take it at all. That's Reb Meir's position. Reb Meir, Tov asher lo tidor, Tov no der mishalem. So Rabbi Yehuda seems to see taking the darim as a good thing as long as you come through. That's the best. Take a netter, come through. But next to that is don't take the darim at all. And way below that is take a netter and don't fulfill it. That's terrible. Rabbi Meir says the best thing is don't take the darim at all. You have to take a netter, fulfill it. To take a netter, not fulfill it is the worst. We all agree what's on the bottom. But they disagree about what's the best thing. Now, notice... What the Midrash Halacha does here, it says, Motzas Fatecha, you have to keep, Zumitzvat Asei. Tishmor, Zumitzvat Lota Asei. Which means, bringing in the Korban that you committed to, you're fulfilling a Mitzvat Asei. Failing to bring it is a Lota Asei. Viasita, this is all the Pasuk, Zuazara Levetin Sheasucha. This means, Beitin actually steps in and forces you to bring it. If you made an editor to bring an Olah, Beitin will step in and they will force you to bring it. Kasher nadarta zeneder l'ashem alokecha elu arachim v'charmim v'kteshot nedava zu nedava kasher dibarta zebera kabayit v'ficha zut stakat, which means any of these commitments that you take. Now, by the way, what do they all have in common? Arachim, charamim, v'kteshot, nedava, bera kabayit stakat. They are all gifts to God. Gifts to the mikdash, to the koanim, but the gifts to God. So that means that this Parsha, the way we understand it, and the way that the words play, is talking about a case where you make a commitment to give something to God, and the Torah is calming you and saying, listen, better you don't need to make such commitments. Don't make such commitments, you're fine. If you're going to make a commitment, you better fulfill it, and you better do exactly what you said, and if not, then you'll be found wanting, etc., etc. And that all builds up from these Psukim and Kohelet. All right, so I want you to see the whole context. That's why I put it in here, although I highlighted Psukim, Gimel, and Dalit. This is beginning of Parakeh. Don't talk too much in front of God. By the way, Ibn Ezra has a long comment here, uh, which is ironic if you think about it. There's a long comment here about Piyutim in Davening, and he's strongly against them. He's saying too much. Don't say so much in front of God. God is in heaven, you're here on earth. Therefore, you should, your word should be sparse. All right. Now, this is here because meaning a fool says a lot of things. And now, if you make a neder to God, Kohel is quoting Dvarim here. You see it? But then he continues. God has no interest in fools. 
and people who make Nidarim and don't fulfill them right away are fools. Whatever you committed to, pay it. Better to not take a commitment than make a commitment and not fulfill it. And it follows with, it's followed by, don't allow your mouth to sin against your flesh. What does that mean? And now don't say, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. Why should God get angry at your words and your voice and destroy what you've created? And the Gemara comments on this, says, if a person takes the dream and doesn't fulfill them, his young children die, based on this pasuk. Right. However, we're to understand that. Right, and again, it ends with where it began. There's lots of thoughts, lots of speeches, lots of talk. Fear God. In other words, don't get all extravagant, ostentatious, and make promises and don't fulfill them, and then you'll be found wanting, and God will sin. Will will get you. However, now, by the way, if we were to stop there, we would say Nidarim are bad. That's simple. Nidarim are bad. I see that from several places. First of all. When I go back to my opening parsha, I see that a person may take a neder. He's immediately bound to not violate it. And the whole rest of the parsha is, how do you get out of it? And who can refute it? Who can back, who can knock it out? And who can who can uh, disqualify it? Then I come to the parsha in Dvarim. And I see the neder is immediately accompanied by a warning and the consequence of not following that warning. And be very careful not to do anything different than what you said. And the assurance, by the way, if you don't get involved in this, you're okay. And Kohelet makes it quite clear. So at this point, I think that the the, the Torah wants me to avoid Nidarim at all. Which, by the way, then makes the next set of Tukim. And these are just a, a smattering, and there's many more. Um, in Yonah's Tfilah, when Yonah's pray, Yonah prays for the fish, at the end of the tefillah, it says, When I get out and I come to see your mikdash, I will thank you with a korban todah. That, the netter that I took, I'll pay. Now, it makes it sound like Yonah, when he was in the boat, when he was in the fish, sorry, took the darim, it sounds like. And he's saying, and if you ever let me get back to the mikdash, I'll, I'll pay it. I'll bring the korban. Okay, maybe. But Nidarim here don't sound like a bad thing. But take a look in Tehillim. You know this pasuk. We sing it. We have beautiful tunes for it. What does the person say, say here as they're coming to the Mikdash? I am going to pay my Nidarim. The guy's joyous and singing and beautiful tunes. He's not embarrassed about his Nidarim. Nidarim are a bad thing here. And elsewhere in Tehillim, everybody who is close to God, make Nidarim and pay them. Which, by the way, means that Nidarim are not a simple issue of saying, it's a terrible thing, don't do it. It's, in some cases, for some people perhaps, in some circumstances, it's a good thing, but make sure to pay them. And this last pasuk, again, there are many pasukim about Nidarim, but gives us a slightly different different view. Kodesh. A man can be tripped up in the Kodesh. After Nidarim, there's an investigation. What does that mean? So we're going to see it in the Yerushalmi. 
And we're going to see how the Ushami interprets this, and it, it puts it perhaps in a different light. However, critical to understand that all these psukim that we've just been looking at are all about Nidre Hekdesh. Yonah is talking about making a net to bring a korban. The in 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 Hallel, it's about paying a korban. Anytime we talk about paying a paying a ned there, that's a korban, something you're bringing to God. Okay. Now there's two nidarim in the Torah that actually happen. Right? One of them in Parsha Vayetze, and one of them in Parsha Chukat. In Parsha Vayetze, and I, I'm doing this because I want you to see what the neder is in Tanakh. Vayidai Yaakov neder lemor. There's the first time the word shows up. And what is Yaakov's neder? It's the morning after he has the great vision with the, in Betel. And he makes a neder. And what's the neder? By the way, an, another important thing about nedarim. Meaning, and that's one place to break it. If God does everything he promised, basically, then, then I will take this steel that I've set up and I'll turn it into a Beit Elohim. And I'll give you Maaser. So Yaakov is making a neder al tonight, meaning I'm making a commitment to God on condition. If, if God fulfills his promise to me, then I'll make this place a holy place, which he fulfills years later. And Bnei Israel do the same exact thing when they're at war in the 40th year and they are attacked and there are captives or one captive taken from them. And here we go. This is right after the death of Aaron. Notice. Israel, of course, Yaakov. And they take a neder. What's the neder? Im Again, the neder is conditional. If you allow me to defeat these people, I will destroy and lay to waste their cities. Tahainu, I will make them sanctified, kind of like we do with Yericho. Right? Non-populated, right? And then we hear what happens. But notice that these nedarim have some features that we didn't notice before. They're made on condition. The person is initiating a neder, which is on condition. The second thing is that the neder, the condition is about personal success and, and welfare, and, or national, and the, uh, in the second case, winning a war. And the neder is not about bringing a korban, but about doing something to this site, either making this site a holy site or making these cities... So it's dedicated to God by, you know, off-limits, cherem. So we've now expanded two things about nedarim, which is you can make a neder and put a condition on it, and you're not obligated to keep the neder unless you make the unless the condition is met. And the second thing is, and you have a right to do that, you can set it up that way. And the second thing is that your neder can be not just about a korban, it can be some other sort of thing you're doing for God. But Everything that we've just seen is all in the realm of Nidre Hekdesh or Nidre Gavoha. And not to be confused at all with the kind of Nidarim that are the focus of our Masachet, which is Nidre Isur, which almost all, which come really from one of two places. Nidre Isur come either from, and I'm going to start with the nice one, either because a person is aiming for self-improvement and saying, I have to avoid wine. I have to avoid overeating. 
I have to avoid, uh, you know, certain places because it's getting in the way of my avodat Hashem. I'm reading the finest possible approach. And therefore, I'm taking a netter to ban those things. Or much more frequently, what we see in the Gemara is where, or in the Mishnah, is when it is what we might call nidre shchenim, the darim between neighbors, meaning somebody's mad at somebody else, and I'm not going to eat at your house, and anything you would feed me is hakorban. Right? We've seen this, right? Or anything I would feed you is a korban. Remember, we had even the possible mutual. Okay, so that's the psukim, the layout. And to summarize that before we get to part two, what we've seen is the very big introductory parashah nidarim, which deals with our kind of nidarim, in which you ban something on yourself, and you're now under the ban of lo yachel dvaro, you may not violate your words, speaks, at least following the Ramban, to attaching a prohibition to an otherwise neutral object. And the prohibition only impacts on you. And then we saw a whole other world of Nidre Hekdesh, which in some cases is good, sometimes not good. Is it better to make a netter and keep it, than, or is it better to just not do the darn at all? That's not Nidre Hekdesh. Okay. So that's part one. And I want to do that because I want us to see that, that the world of Ndarim seems to be two very different worlds, but we're going to bring them together. We're going to bring them together. Okay. Second of all, and by the way, just Hopping back to our first source, remember I mentioned that what may be, and the Ramban says this a little earlier in the in his commentary there, what may be the reason that Parsha Nidarim is at the beginning of Matot is because Nidarim were mentioned in Pinchas. But what kind of Nidarim were mentioned in Pinchas? Korbanot. You make a neder to bring an olah, when are you going to bring it? When you're in your shalayim for, for the regel. So you come to the regel, we bring the special korbanot for each regel, and along with that, you bring your Nidarim, your Nidavot, so, and those are Nidra Hektesh. So notice the two are different, but they're a little inseparable. Okay. Now, I want to take seven minutes or less to look at the issue of the Masechet itself. The Masechet itself is problematic, as we mentioned. The language of the Masechet is difficult. Um, and we're going to see a couple examples of that. We're going to start with this. This is from the Chuvot of... Chuvot Agonim, one of the collections of the Chuvot Agonim is called Sharei Chuvah. Sharei Chuvah is, I think, a 19th century compilation of Chuvot Agonim that we have from different literature, and I, I think this is not yet from the Geniza. And this is a Chuvah that I believe was uh, was written by Rav Natronai Gon, that takes us to the end of the 9th century, and they they asked about the issue of Nidarim, and Hatarat Nidarim, Hatarat Nidarim Shabbat, the Mishnah at the end of Shabbat says, you're allowed to be matir nadarim b'shabbat for things that you need for Shabbat. Like somebody took a nether not to eat meat, and uh, now it's Shabbat, and they realize that now I'm going to miss on Shabbat, and there's, if they have the proper vehicle for being matir, you can be matir. Aval, look at the highlighted part. Mar Yehudai Gaon, which takes us now to the 8th century. Zalo no nishnet nadarim b'yeshiva. Yodaigon testifies that in the yeshiva, meaning Sura and Pumbadita, they did not study Nidarim. And the Gonim afterwards stopped doing Hatarat Nidarim because they felt that they weren't expert enough to be Matir Nidarim. 
and to find proper pitchein nedarim, as we'll study. El al-edvar mitzvah. The only time that they were willing to do it was for edvar mitzvah. Kagon simat shalom ben ish lishto, shalom bayit. Kagon arba nedarim, we'll see them in the third parak. Shinir eki ilu neder ta'ut. There's certain nedarim that are pretty easily matter because they're marketplace nedarim, other things like that. Right. Now, the point of this was that somebody was asking, how come Hatarat Nidarim has become a lost art? How come they're not engaged in Hatarat Nidarim? And said, the answer is because we didn't study Nidarim for a long time. In other uh, texts, mentioning what Mar Yehudaigon said, it's over a hundred years that in the Yeshiva they didn't study Nidarim. Which means that they had to rely on some old traditions that people had to reconstruct Nidarim when they finally decided to reincorporate it. Let me show you an um, interesting thing in, in um, Tiferet Yisrael. Tiferet Yisrael is a commentary on the Mishnah by Vizrov Danzig of, um, in Germany in the 19th century uh, from... That'll come to me. But anyway, more time. The Mishnah in Perkei Avot. You didn't think we'd be doing that when we get to Perkei Avot. But in the Mishnah in Perkei Avot, in the second parak, we have a very famous, they're all famous Mishnayot. And the end of the Mishnah says, Famous line, don't say, I'll learn when I have time, because you won't have time. Learn now. Don't say, yeah, later on, I'll retire, or I'll, you know, whatever. Don't say it, don't put it off. The Tiferet Yisrael, in its commentary here, says the following. And then he lists also, Nazir, Arachin, Kretot, Murah, Mila, and Tamid, which, by the way, all of them have difficulties in the text. By the way, I don't remember from Masachat Tmurah. Masachat Tmurah, throughout the Masachat, has the Sugya, and then in the Masachat, version two of the Sugya. Leishna Achrina. Which is sort of like a Tmura joke, because what does the word Tmura mean? It means a substitute. So it's like here's version one, and here's the Tmura of it. And so he takes he says the following. He says, I think that these Masachtot, for some reason, they were studying them and they didn't get around to really finishing a proper edition of them, and then tumult happened whether it was the Muslim conquest or whatever it was, hashas. Notes what it says. The language in these Masechtot, and you're seeing it in the Darim in spades, is not like the rest of the Shas. I mean, one example that you all recognize is throughout Shas, we have a word called Teku. And Teku shows up at the end of a sugya when we haven't resolved the Machloket. And in the Darim, they don't use the word Teku, they use the word Tiba'i. But there's so many other ways in which the language of Nidarim is difficult, right? And he and he claims that this is part of the lesson. Said that's why the Tana says, "Don't put off your learning." How did it come out of Chef Nashnad to say, "When I get to it, I'll learn." So I come out to Shachayav Nishotal LeMigila Bayom Dahin LeChazarat, etc. In other words, he's saying that what happened, and it's a very interesting accusation, if you will, that they put off these masachot, and then when it was time for them to do it, they couldn't, they didn't have the opportunity 
because of uh, political or or whatever reason uh, a tumult, and they were not able to get to it. And the result of that is that we have these masachdot that are what he would call second grade masachdot, not second grade, meaning second standard, like uh, less of a standard. All right. Now, take a look as an example. Tosfot himself in the darim. And by the way, you notice also in the Parshanim in the Darim, you notice what we have. We have Rashi, which is not Rashi. We have the commentary on the outside is not Tosfut, it's the Ran, which is the commonly used commentary, although it's very different than Rashi. You have Tosfot on the outside, but the Tosfot on the Darim are much different. They're much more like Rashi. They're shorter and they're really like a Perush. You have the Perush of the Rosh. This is all what's printed on the regular page. It's like a whole different system. It looks like a masachet, but different different players. Watch what Tosfot says on Tibailach. Perush kemo teku ulishon nedarim mishuneh. What Tosfot says in three magic words: the language of nedarim is different. All right. Now, <coughs> before finishing this piece up, we have to ask the question about the chicken and the egg. Did nedarim not make it into the yeshiva for some other reason? And therefore, after a while, the Chachamim and Bavel felt incapable of properly doing Hatarat and Darim. And that was the reality. Or was it the opposite? Was it they said, you know what? We don't, and there's evidence that this is what happened. We don't want people to take Nadarim. And if people know that we can't help them get out of Nadarim, they won't take Nadarim. So you know what? We're banning it from the curriculum. Which, by the way, would make a lot more sense because it would explain why clearly there was some little secret group that did maintain it, because otherwise we wouldn't have it at all. Remember, it's all ball pet. So, in any case, again, chicken or egg, but one way or the other, that was the reality. You take a look at this line in the Shita Mekubetzet. It, it's just a wild statement. Take a look first at Source 17. All right? Remember this. We saw this a couple days ago. Source 17. Remember the Mishnah of Kinuyim, which is the second half of Mishnah Aleph? Konam, Konas, Kinuyim, Lekorban, right? Remember that? Nazik, Nazik, Paziach, Kinuyim, Lenazir. The very first sugi there is Itmar, Kinuyim. What are Kinuyim? Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Lashon, Umotain, Shimon, Lakish, Amar, Lashon, Shibadu, Lahem, Chachamim, Liot, Noder, Rahim. Remember that? Rabbi Yochanan said, Kinuyim are simply some related language to Hebrew. And Rabbi Shlakish said, no, it's a set lexicon that Chachamim developed to make Ndarim to not say the word Korban. And then the Gemara says, our printed Gemara, there's 17. Quoting the Pasuk and Malachim Aleph Yudbet, where Ravam Ben Nevat made up a holiday, and you see the word Badam means to make up. The time I might say, why'd they do it? No, they did it. So you wouldn't say the word Korban, right? Now, look at the Shita Mekubetzet says about that. Shita Mekubetzet, Rabbi Tzal Ashkenazi in the 14th century in Egypt, collecting the words of the Rishonim, says the following, Lo this line shouldn't be in our Gemara. An Amora will bring a quote to support what the word in a Mishnah means. Right? In the Lord's, the Mishnah uses a weird word, and the Amor will say, oh, that weird word is related, to, comes from this Pasuk. Okay. But the Amor is not going to use a Pasuk to support his own words. And we, by the way, when we first saw this, we saw how weird it was. Rosh Lakish says, 
חכמים שבדו להם חכמים, and as it says, אשר חודש אשר בדם מליבו. What does that mean? Mishlakish is saying, I'm going to use a fancy word, now I want you to know where I got that word from? Nobody ever does that. So I'd like you to take a look at source 18, just for fun. Source 18 is the Munich manuscript. Now, by the way, you know the Munich manuscript, Munich 95, is the one complete manuscript of the Bavli that we have. All right? Munich manuscript, I think, 13th century, maybe. All right? Look at what it says there. Rishlakish Omer, Lashon Shebaducha Chachamim Liot Noderbo, V'tamamayt Kinu Rabbanan Kinuim. Notice what's missing. I looked at it. It's missing. It's not there. That whole pasuk from Malachim is not there. Which means that according to the Shittah Mekubat said what probably happened. What probably happened was the Gemara looked like, like the Munich manuscript. And then some copyist on the side said, oh, Badai is like the pasuk over there. And the next copyist thought, oh, that should be in the Gemara. And they put it in and now it's in all the printed Gemaras. All right. We'll deal with it. All right, now let's get to a more of a, should we say, substance issue, which is how do we look at Nidarim? Now, again, Nidarim in general, and particularly Nidre Isur. Okay? I want to start with this line. And by the way, it's looking again like we're probably dealing with a two parter, but that happens to us, right? Konamot mitzvah lichuli alen. It's a good word in Dafnun Tet. Mishum Rabbi Natan. What Rabbi Natan? What Rabbi Natan say? Kol hanoder ki ilu bana bama. And now it gets even more odd, meaning anybody takes a neder, it's like they're building a bama. Now a bama is not a vodazara, but a bama is a private altar that you build, which is prohibited because it's not the mikdash. Behind mekaimo ki ilu If you fulfill that neder, it's like you actually burned incense on it. In other words. He's taking a step back and saying, taking a netter is an ochenvei, but fulfilling the netter is even worse, which is an interesting take. But he is opposed to Nedarim, and therefore he says, there's a mitzvah to be shoal on the netter, meaning if you took a netter, there's a mitzvah for you to go to the Chacham and try to do atarat Nedarim. You should get out of a netter. Nedarim are terrible, you should stay away from them. Now, what kind of Nedarim is he talking about? So now, if we remember in our sugya, and this all started from the Mishnah that said that if a person says, this is a neder to me like nidre rishaim, remember this? Then it's valid. It's a neder. Because rishaim take nedarim. Think about how odd a statement that is. I am saying, I am taking a neder like the wicked people do, and we're saying, oh, that's a valid halachic statement. And if you say, I'm taking a neder like good people do, we say, no, that doesn't mean anything, because good people don't take nedarim. Think how odd that is. So take a look with me at this Yerushalmi. Take, I'll take you by the hand, let's walk through this Yerushalmi. Uchanid Votam, source 20. Kenid Votam, Loamar Klum. Meaning, if you were to um, say, and this is different than our Mishnah, Armisha said, Kenid Votam works. I'm going to bring it like the Nidava of the Tzadikim, like the Ksherim. It works. This Brighta says it's meaningless. Why? Hadam Rashar Shaim Mit Nadvin. Only wicked people do Nidavot. 
strange. And again, we saw this Pesukim about the great, the Darayim Hashem, Hashalem, etc. But wait a second. The minute you make an adobe, you're not a Russia anymore. You're offering to give a gift to God. You can't be a bad guy. So this is odd. So watch this. Matnita the Rabbi Yudan. Rabbi Yudan is in Rishon. Is Rabbi Yehuda. The Tani Meshem Rabbi Yudan. Tova Shaloti Dor Meshidi Dor Velo Tishalim. Remember that the Pasukim Kohelet. Tov Mizel Mizel Shaloti Dor. Rabbi Yehuda says better not to take a netter. By the way, I will remind you. In the Bavli, it was flipped. That was Rabbi Meir. Right? Yerushalmi has the opposite. Who said what? One of them says the best thing is no Nadarim at all. And the other one says, no, the best thing is take an editor and fulfill it. So here, here's the problem. You're saying that good guys do Nidavot. So how, if you're a good guy, how are you going to do Nidavah? And avoid all of the problems that could happen as a result. Remember we saw this? You bring the lamb into the azara, and then you say this is an ola. And that way there's no time lapse between when you made it an ola and when you process it. So nothing bad can happen. You make it, a, a, you declare it an ola when you're in, in Afula. By the time you get to Shalim, all sorts of things might have happened. You might have lost it. Somebody might be out there doing the eel on it. Somebody in your in your group might not have known and done something with it, but the minute you mark this shit in the azara, there's no time gap. Now, patach in the world of nidarim is a whole different thing than it normally is. Normally, patach means he began a drasha. Patach in the world of nidarim is something else. What is hatarat? Let's just briefly, although we're going to deal with this in a few weeks. What is hatarat nidarim? What does hatarat nidarim mean? Annulling a vow that was taken. Annulling a vow taken. How do you do that? Sit in front of a bait then and declare that you annul it in front of them and they annul it for you. Right. So it's not that simple at all. <laughs> you can't come and say, I made a commitment to never eat bananas. I don't I want to eat bananas. Please annul it for me. It doesn't work. You need what's called a petach. A petach is sort of like you, a you know something. Some explanation. Some reason I hadn't known. Right, they say I'm I'm taking a netter against bananas because I read an article that told me that bananas are very bad for me. Now I read an article that says I was wrong, and that guy's been discredited. That's that's a reason for petach. That's a petach, a petach, and then we call them pitchen darim. So watch this, Rabbi Yuda Patach, meaning he would he would this is how he would help people get out of a netter. He says to a guy, if you knew that anybody takes the dime is called a Russia, would you have taken a dime? Interesting thing. We're going to see a lot of interesting stuff in the context of Atar and Dari later on the Masach. Remember, we saw this Pasuk earlier. That after the Darim, there's an investigation. What does that mean? The minute you take a ned there, they open up your account book in Shemayim. Sure, you're such a big guy, such a big macher. You're ready to take the dime. Let's see how your how your Talmud Torah is doing. How's your tefillah? Hey, how's that Lashnar work coming along? Right? They check you out. You put the spotlight on yourself. Tavarchem, Mokesh Adam, Yalakodesh, Vachan, Darim, Lakher, Yichur Nidarim, 
Achanidarim doesn't mean after taking a nether, but delaying a nether. If you delay bringing the nether, they start checking into you, check your, your books. In other words, you're, you're bringing a lot of attention on you that's not wanted. You never want that. And now is a story. A guy said, And by the way, I have every reason to think he was in shul and everybody was saying, and they were doing an Olav donation thing. And if you said three of them, you got Shlishi, right? And he said, Hare Allah Allah, Bishahallah He didn't have to bring it on time. And he his boat went down. Unclear if he was on it. His boat went down at sea. Either all his cargo or himself. One way or the other, bad stuff happened to him because he's like waving a flag. Hey Shalim, look what a tzaddik I am. All right. So um I want to show you one more, one passage in the Rambam here, um, just to kind of bring this to a close, and then, as promised, leave it open for a couple, couple minutes of questions. And I assume you guys would like to finish this topic next week instead of moving on. Okay, this is the Rambam in Hechot Nedarim at the end, very end of Hechot Nedarim. The person took Nedarim to try to self improvement. That's a good thing. Let's say a guy was a chazer. He said, you know what? I'm All meat is also to me for a year or two years. A guy was a drunkard. He said, okay, wine is also to me for a long time. He said, drunkenness is always also to me. Yeah, exactly, I do it. A guy who was just running after money all the time. He then banned any gifts, meaning I'm not accepting anything that I didn't earn. Remember this story? A guy was very vain about his own appearance. Remember the boy? who Shimon Tzadik? Those are all Avodat Hashem. Oh, by the way, notice where the Rambam's going here. He's saying the Darim can be a good thing. Nidre Iser can be a good thing if they're all part of self-improvement. That's in Pirkei Avot. A good way to attain asceticism is through Nidarim. Even though they are a form of Avodah, a person should not do too many. Ideally, you should just avoid the things without a netter. Avoid the meat, avoid the wine, avoid whatever it is, you without the need of a netter. And now he says, If you make a netter, it's like you built a bama. If you made a netter, avar, meaning you did a sin and you made a netter, the mitzvah is to go and and try to get the netter absolved. So you wouldn't have the obstacle. This entire thing I'm talking about is But if you made a netter to bring a korban, is a mitzvah to fulfill it. You shouldn't treat matzah. You could be, but you shouldn't treat matzah them. Unless you're really stuck. You suddenly are bankrupt. We're going to stop here with uh, our material, uh, but um, hopefully this serves at least as a broad introduction 
to the world of Nadarim. What we really need to get to, uh, and that's the next step, is the mechanics of Nadarim, how they work. And that's what we're, we'll, we'll leave for next week. So, um, hold on a second. Um,